Okay, let me let me just do this thing because I've let other people say it and just not shut them up a few times, but it just need to bite the bullet here. Um, if you could go to your podcast app, internet browser, whatever you use to listen to this show and other shows, leave a, a like, a subscribe, a review. I'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. I'd like to know what you're thinking of the show. Um, I also have a YouTube page, YouTube backslash pa howdy i think but it's also in the description of the show um i'd really like to know if you're enjoying the videos or which videos are helpful or not helpful liking and subscribing i'm assuming you know how youtube works so yeah check them out i guess and now i have fully sleezed myself up uh we need to do something else really appreciate it uh let's go let's let's do something more fun okay thanks Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I write for DLF or Dynasty League Football. This is, in fact, a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Well, welcome back, I guess. Um, so week one in the books. Really excited. Got to interview um, <laughs> Blake Hampton um, right after the first game on Thursday kicked off. We were really excited. Um, got to do a few takes on how the offense and the season was looking. Really happy, uh, especially with the way rookie usage is looking, since everyone all off season spent their time telling me that, you know, COVID was going to drastically change what professional players could do with this limited season, um, limited preseason. And, you know, I'm not seeing any of that, but um, don't want to do that today. It's way too tempting to continue to enjoy Corey Davis' season. Or many of the other things that were just amazing to see and felt like wins and pat myself on the back. But I'm honestly not that interested. I am rather spooked, actually, by how much of this looks right. I guess coming off 2019, where I had, I had a lot of variance. hit a rough patch in a few areas. Um, I was gun-shy anyway. But I'm also starting to think that the real effect of... COVID-19 of the pandemic of a limited preseason however you want to say it is offenses are more rolling out exactly what they did last year than anything else but it's it's really early you know everyone's going to tell you it's really early and um, I would say just keep in mind this podcast is coming out in the middle of week two because I post on I post Dynasty Crossroads on Saturdays we don't I never really wanted to focus on immediate action pieces where I roll out my sleepers and you have to go pick up this guy off the waiver wire. It's not really my deal. I'm more about thinking, uh, developing a process. Um, really like talk about football, really like talk about playing in leagues, but I don't want to put out podcasts which is like, here's what you go and do. And so having a schedule that fits with the waiver wire just doesn't, it's not me, all right? It's not me. Um, hopefully that's okay with you because I'm going to bring in some cool guests. This week it's just me because uh, I, I just wanted to keep it light. Um, first week getting back to the NFL schedule, which is even more of a grind than usual, even for a grinder. Um, so yeah, it's just me. and I want to talk about losses. That's why the wins is tempting or the Corey Davis season, the MVS season. Um, I really tempted to talk about, but it's not where my head's at right now. And again, I'm not just like I'm not a go do this person. 
I'm also not a, hey, look how accurate I am person. I just don't enjoy that. So I'd much rather go over the stuff that I'm looking at, really, for week two more than anything else, to give you a sense of what I find important, what I think is interesting to watch for in these games. We just saw um, the Thursday night game, so we have a little bit of week one, week two content already. But, uh, and yeah, my week's weird. Like, one of my jobs starts on Monday, another one starts on Wednesday. Working on projections and fantasy football is basically a night job. So, like, my Wednesday work is done on Tuesday night. I'm having a hard time keeping track of exactly where I am in your week, to be honest with you. So, I hope it doesn't get confusing that way. But, I'm talking about week one. Some things that I'm looking for or interested in the way they develop into week two specifically things i really feel i got wrong just based on week one and obviously everything's going to change and then so on and so forth but anyway let's dig into it talking about offenses rolling over exactly what happened last year that couldn't be less true when you look at the run pass split by the way i i literally just pulled up the percentage of uh, team pass attempts team rushing attempts and almost no one's similar you do have about six seven eight teams that are within a you know, a five to eight percent margin. So um, they're passing within five to eight percent of as often as they did in 2019. And again, with one game, it's really you know, we, we can't judge anything. But there are some extremes here where New England was rushing for about 27 percent more of its attempts than it did in 2019. Now, obviously, that can be written off as a product of having Cam Newton destroy the league on his revenge tour, um, and that certainly bore out true, but. I do think that's going to come back down a little bit. They're normally a rush-heavy team anyway, but I don't think it's going to be this unbalanced throughout the entire season, even with Cam Newton um, literally pummeling defenses to death with his rushing ability. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that extreme is rather striking. Also, Los Angeles Chargers, as are now known, 18% less. They passed 18% less. Now, that makes some sort of sense with Tyrod as well, and also uh, just a changing quarterback, changing system. Um, they were going to lean more run heavy, but 18% seems pretty heavy. Los Angeles Rams, 17%. They ran 17% on more of a more of the, 70% of their attempts were rushing instead of passing than they were in 2019. Expect that to come back down somewhere, somewhere close to average, perhaps with Cam Akers finally getting a little more, more volume. Who knows? Um, in the passing game, presumably, Pete. That that was just an excuse to say Cam Akers' name, um, and then I realized I was meant to be talking about passes. Anyway, um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, Indianapolis passed for fifteen percent more than they did last year. Philadelphia, thirteen percent more. New York Jets, 12% more because they stink. I guess that's where the you pass in bad game scripts narrative finally gets good. I, I think that's going to come down even with Le'Veon Bell. I don't know it's going to result in a lot of fantasy goodness at the running back position as Washington showed us week one, although Peyton Barber was pretty good. Um, and yeah, that's the Washington running back on my teams, by the way, if I have one. But anyway, um, Antonio Gibson's season didn't happen. But that's not a wrong take of mine because I really... I wasn't on that ship as well. I wasn't on that train. Um, Seahawks, optimistically, they pass for 12% more of their attempts than they did last year. Um, I still, I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty clear that Coach Pete wants to run more. Like every time anyone asks him about anything, he seems to be able to mention that it would be really fun if he could run the ball more. 
Um, so, and no, I'm optimistic um, that Russ can keep cooking. 35 pass attempts to 20 rushing attempts. I, I, I think that's going to come down somewhat. But Tyler Lockett and uh, DK Metcalf are going to work off efficiency. We know this. They're, they're going to be fine that way, even if it does. So I'm not overly worried. It's just, it would be really nice to see that keep going, you know? Um, all right, so those are some trends that look drastically different um, in terms of what teams are doing in 2020. So far, after one week um, in the 2020 season. But there are some there are some players here, their performance just clearly... Um, I feel really like I didn't get it right. I wasn't in the right place on them for one reason or another. So I'm just going to kind of run through them so no one else can own me for them. I'm going to own myself, okay? That's what this episode is. Pete owns himself. That's probably the episode title. I don't know. Um, All right, Josh Allen was quarterback one. I don't feel wrong on this one. It's just as a guy who's always saying he doesn't expect improvement or continuation of Josh Allen's 2019 season, like, I'm kind of on that train. It bears notice that, yeah, he, it continued right into week one in a slightly different manner. Buffalo also passed for an exceeding, for a higher amount than they did in terms of the percentage of their attempts um, in week one, but it wasn't drastically. It was, like, around 10%. Um, I know Josh Allen scored more passing yards than he has done, but twice in his career, even if you include college. And yeah, I don't think they're going to be that many plays moving forward. Um, I feel like my take on Stefan takes on Ste- I was on the right trains with Stefan Diggs. Um, was off on John Brown, but I wasn't down on John Brown, so I can't really say I was wrong on it. Because I'm a big fan of John Brown as a proven, skillful player in the NFL. That's kind of my brand. Older guys who have proved they're good anyway. So, but yeah, I just, I've not been on Buffalo and in week one, like it was really good to have Josh Allen and John Brown on your team. So I feel a little alone there because, you know, I wasn't pushing them, certainly didn't add them to any of my teams. And so, yeah, it was great to see Buffalo rolling a little bit, but it looked mostly like what we we would expect a Josh Allen passing game to look like. And we're kind of expecting it to stop, but you know, he's still putting up points. So that's pretty good for anyone that hang on. Hang, hung, hung on to him. That's the one. Josh Allen was hung, not hanged. You like that one? Like that one? I, I kind of like that one. Anyway, um, <laughs> next player, Robbie Anderson. Really didn't see that coming. I just thought, yeah, I just kind of didn't want any part of that. But in week one, he was wide receiver six with 25 PPR points. Wow. I mean, good for Robbie Anderson and all the truthers that stayed on him. I definitely feel owned by that. I don't have Robbie Anderson anywhere. I think he's above average player, but I thought it was good because he was on a below average depth chart as an above average player. Like, uh, now he's on a depth chart with a, like, everyone's a lot better than he's used to playing with, and he had 24% target share week one. Um, of the wide receiver twos that outperformed expectation, not my expectation, but everyone's expectations, wide receiver twos that played like the wide receiver ones on the depth chart this week in week one, um, I have the least confidence that that's going to continue. I think DJ Moore can walk deep. Something I've really tried to add to my wide receiver perspective is Rich Harbour's perspective of what's valuable in the NFL I'm realizing a deep down the field skill set like Robbie Anderson's is more rare it's more it's rarer to be good at that like Robbie Anderson is and then closer to the line of scrimmage and I kind of appreciate that and Robbie Anderson's on a team with highly skilled players closer to the line of scrimmage DJ Moore is one of those guys 
But DJ Moore can also work deep, which is why we saw all his upside. And he had a red zone presence with touchdown regression. I think that's going to come back. I think ultimately Robbie Anderson will seed some of that work or a lot of it to DJ Moore. And closer to the line of scrimmage, like Curtis Samuel is not going to be the wide receiver three every week. So I do expect a little more volatility in Robbie Anderson's numbers than week one suggested. But, you know, for respect, Robbie Anderson just came out week one and just just owned me. And I, I just got to accept it. That was a, that was a phenomenal performance. Um, Austin Hooper, T, tight end 32. Not exactly where I hoped, but I didn't have a lot of hopes in fantasy production. I just like stacking up talented players that we know are talented, but we don't see how the situation can work out. Now, we did just see the Browns versus the Bengals, and Austin Hooper got a lot more work, and I got a little debate here and there with people. Yeah, it's very clear on that depth chart. He can't do what he was doing in Atlanta, let alone with that fewer passing attempts compared to a team like Atlanta. But I don't feel owned. I gotta be wrong. I gotta be uh, honest about what I'm wrong on here. I'm still very happy to have Austin Hooper dynasty-wise, but... Yeah, it, it, it's tough to see less than eight points on a week-to-week basis as a win either. But yeah, I'm pretty happy to have picked him up for cheap. I guess why I'm wrong is that you probably have him for cheaper over the next few weeks. Um, so I probably bought still a little bit too high. Um, Odo Beckham and Landry, again, they were playing on Thursday, so I have week two knowledge of them because my weeks are messed up. A um, lot better, a lot better, looked a lot better in week two. Um, rushing game really carried the day, but, you know, Odo Beckham caught a long b- touchdown. Jarvis Landry was a little more involved. Still feeling pretty confident. And again, stacking up talented players and situations we're finding a hard time reading. Um, very clear that in difficult matchups, now we've seen two weeks, uh, the Browns are going to brown a little bit more than we'd be hopeful for. But, you know, I still got some hopes for Baker Mayfield. Um, so, yeah, but I, I definitely feel... Not owned, I feel very comfortable where I am, but this is not what I wanted. I Like, the volume is exactly what I hoped for. Ten targets week one, week two he's getting, more, Odell specifically getting the majority of volume. It's just, we, there's, there's still a lack of clicking, but it's early. And week two showed a little bit more of that, so yeah. But after week one, definitely feeling a little bit more trepidatious. And um, week two's maybe for more calm. Hopefully, will about some of these other takes. Brandon Cooks, yeah, wow, he's wide receiver three on his team now, <laughs> I guess. Um, sixteen percent target share though, which isn't terrible. I think Brandon Cooks is going to have his games. He's going to be a good fantasy player. He's going to be a good player in the NFL. Very clear. This is Will Fuller's show after week one. We'll see what happens after week two and three and four, obviously, but. Yeah, I got a lot of Cooks, but I also got a lot of Fuller for the exact same reason. Good players and a depth chart people were scared about that I thought was going to be decent passing in terms of volume. And the quarterback is good, even if the team situation coaching to O-line is pretty terrible. But Brandon Cooks is going to be a difficult start week to week, I think, all season. Um, So, yeah, calling myself wrong on that one. Paris Campbell. Hey, Zach. How you doing? Uh, Zachary from the Dynasty Dummies is just chilling in a cafe in front of the Eiffel Tower right now. And look, he uh, Paris Campbell finishes wide receiver 27, so I just want to point that. But no, there's no way of looking at what happened in week one without noticing that Paris Campbell was a one on that team in terms of volume. Um, I do have a little bit more to say about volume, and Paris Campbell falls into this category of looks kind of like a fake wide receiver one in volume and points. But... Full respect, Barris Campbell, this 
first time he's healthy in an NFL game since he was drafted last year. Looked like he took over a significant role. T.Y. Hilton was getting the same level of target share volume, though, and that's still where my money is for cheap dynasty and more production this year. But, like, Paris Campbell stocks rose, and being 0% invested is not good. So, congrats, Zach. Um, LaVesca Chenault has kind of just kind of consensus on him but week one again like Paris Campbell that was a great week one especially for a rookie 20% target share actually on the nose for what Paris Campbell did finishing the nose in terms of PPR points as well he's a wide receiver 29 he was involved in the rushing game a little bit which we expected that that skill set's pretty impressive and they're trying to take advantage of it as well 13.7 PPR points just point out that it's a wide receiver 29 with 13 PPR points that's Saying something about the way wide receivers working out, but um, he had a nine A dot as well. So um, I'm not sure how this is going to work out for fantasy, but the Jaguars were passing a little less than they typically did last year as well. And uh, no, um, but it was a good week one, especially for rookie and Lavisca Chenault. Don't feel wrong, but I'm putting him on the list. I definitely wasn't on the Lavisca Chenault train with Anthony Amico. And if you're not on the train, then you're off the train, and that means you're owned when they win. That's that's the standard I'm holding myself to. Um, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, wide receiver 61 and 39. Mike Williams led the show. Um, yeah, I, I think this is one of those situations, and I said this in my Target Share article this week, that the wide receiver one's going to come back. It looks like Mike Williams has got a skill set, skill set that fits well with Tyrod. He's a skilled player. I wasn't off Mike Williams. I added him at least one dynasty team. I like Mike Williams. But, like, I expected the majority of volumes to go to Keenan Allen, as per usual. I do think that's going to bounce back. But week one, Mike Williams' hat tip was not high enough on you. Keenan Allen rotting on my bench a little bit, uh, which hurts. Speaking of which, Hunter Henry is a player I was really interested in this offseason, but I never quite looked in that direction, if that makes sense. Like, if I would thought about Hunter Henry enough, I would have touted him. I would have gone out and made trades for him. But I just kind of never ended up gazing in his beautiful direction. But yeah, I definitely have to consider myself off the train if I wasn't on it. And that's definitely a train that my process would have put me on. It's just a, f a failure to even consider it, to be honest with you. So Hunter Henry, considering myself wrong there, interested to see if healthy Henry can get back to what we've seen before in a Tyro Taylor level offense. And week one, he definitely did. Um... Henry Ruggs, I'm just going to say I should be owned for this one, but he had 18% target share, wide receiver 46, 9.6 PPR points. I don't feel owned. I said positive things about Ruggs, and I definitely said the landing spot was the best place for him. The Raiders want that kind of player. The Raiders are a team. I've decided what the Raiders are. Remember, I keep saying I don't know what this team is. I don't know if they're good or bad or ugly or great, and I can't see it. They're Sam Donald. And listening to Zach Reed, again from the Dynasty Dummies, explains Sam Donald's quarterback play, that's what this offense is. It's an offense that makes four, five terrible decisions in a row that make no sense and do not work out at all. Like not talking to Yamari Cooper and then trading him and then him actually still being good and not some mysterious case of him being bad again. Like, terrible decisions. And then one moonshot of perfection, straight downfield, into the basket. And that's the Raiders. Just every now and again, they do something p 
perfect. And Ruggs is perfect for what they want to do in their offense. He's The wide receiver one isn't going to be the fantasy value in a Raiders offense. It's going to be Darren Waller. I don't know how many times I have to explain tight end and how it works, but it's going to be Darren Waller. But Ruggs is definitely someone, as a rookie with 18% target share in game one, he's going to have games. By the look of it, from this point, uh, just with one week of data, and again, I said positive things, but... I wasn't drafting him or touting him. So again, not on the train, I'm off it. Um, so well done, Mr. Mr. Harriet? Harold. Herbert Ruggs. I'll get it one day. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't feel I'm going to be hurt a lot by that. But I do think Henry Ruggs was a great rookie in his first game. And, you know, full hat tip. Um, Miles Gaskin, I, I don't, can't say I considered the Miami... Um, running game to be an area that I wanted to invest in or considered it for anything whatsoever. Um, Mo Gaskin, I know of him. Um, I seem to have picked him up in every waiver claim. I think the fact that he basically shared the backfield touches with uh, Jordan Howard 50-50, very similar touches. In fact, I think he out-touched him um, just went unnoticed. But Miles Gaskin seems to be one of those easy streamers, at least after week one. And yeah, I, I never even considered him even as an RB zero RB candidate or whatever. So I'm um, interested to see what happens there. Adam Thielen, I am wrong, 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 wrong. So hard on Adam Thielen because I am such a big fan. I don't think anyone's could take negative Adam Thielen content away from me. Like I'm the hugest fan and he's the biggest undrafted free agent going right now. And like, I love him and he, I think he's fantastic, but I can't remember touting him, if that's a word, at all this off season. I've got no idea why. Big fan of the talent in an offense that lost Stefan Diggs. That's going to hurt the offense, but not enough to make Thielen anything less than a top 12 wide receiver. I, I I ended up trading for him just before the season started and at least one team. And it made me realize, like, I haven't mentioned him once this offseason. I should have been fully on board the Adam Thielen train. I, do, I didn't know. I don't think I got off it. I just think I forgot to mention that I was writing it. And that seems like a mistake. Um, Nikhil Harry. 32% target share. Again, speaking of New England's low passing number, he and Julian Edelman, who I got entirely right, um, basically, they had a 69% target share put together. Nice. <laughs> I had to do it. You have to do it. Um, but, like, that's the most positive thing I've seen from him since he was drafted. I really hope I'm getting Harry wrong twice. Now, having said getting him wrong, I told everyone that asked, yes, you should buy him at his current value, and yes, I still have hope. But be aware, his season one was utterly disgraceful and terrible. Um, but I'm going to call myself wrong if this happens. Because, you know, I, I was so high and then I was so middling. And if it happens, I, I'm just going to own being wrong twice on this. And so happy for it. Um, Darius Slayton, again, I was just on consensus. After week one, pretty sure Bobby Couch at Reek Fantasy writes for DLF as well. Like, he's a Giants fan, true, but I think he was right on this one. Darius Slayton did have a great rookie year. I just didn't see much college production. It was okay. And then teams fade draft capital or lack of draft capital. So I didn't think he could pull a Victor Cruz. I didn't see enough in him. And week one, 23% target share. That doesn't do it justice of the amount of work he was putting in in that game, in that terrible, terrible game where even Barkley was having a tough time. Um, but he finishes wide receiver five. He's not going to keep doing that. But in terms of his week one numbers, he had 
3.9 or something like that yards per team pass attempt. That's phenomenal uh, with a 23% target share. So Darius Slayton looks like he may be a rookie I regret or a sophomore now that I regret not having been in on. And as a lower drafted guy, man, I, I got to own myself for that because I love those guys. Um, Crowder Herndon, this is a Thielen take. I, I, I think I got it right. I just don't think I ever mentioned it and that feels wrong. So there we go. Dallas Goddard, same thing. I never pointed it out that everyone got really high on Dallas Goddard. Then it happened and everyone stopped mentioning him because they realized it didn't happen because Zach Ertz left. Like that meant it didn't matter. So I really should have like jumped on the Dallas Goddard train or once all the other bad narrative actors jumped off it and I didn't. So it's another owned by lack of attention. And Deontay Johnson, this is one I'm just low on. This isn't a lack of attention thing. I did not think he could carve out this kind of role. I thought it was decent, good in a good offense and everything else. But 32% target share, week one. Juju going off anyway, because Juju again a Juju. And, but still, wow. And I would say he's a 6.3 ADOT. But again, like Darius Slayton, his 32% target share, Deontay Johnson in this case, and that describes his role. He was so heavily involved in that offense. And, and so was Juju, who I'm higher on, and I will continue to be higher on. But, you know, Darius, Deontay Johnson truthers, hat tip, my friends. Good job. Raheem Mostart, literally nothing Raheem Mostart. Thought it was the easiest fade in the history of running backs. Uh, week one, he's RB6. Just wrong. Just going to take the wrong on this. The, the L or whatever you want me to take. 25 PPR points. I don't expect it to keep going because it was based on like a 16% target share. That was efficient. However, the way the 49ers season's shaping up, unless they find some value in Tevin Coleman all of a sudden, which we think they should, but they haven't so far, and they know more than us, like I'm ga I think I'm going to be hurt. So far, week one says I'm going to be hurt by Raheem Mostert. Scotty Miller, another guy with a lack of draft capital that I'm usually all over that I basically nothinged. So there, I, I've found since, since it's happened, all the Scotty Miller truthers have been adding me. And, you know, again, hat tip. I just, pfft, no, I really don't think it's going to continue on that offense with that stack lineup. But still, week one, Scotty Miller truthers. Hat tip, my friends. That was amazing stuff. Uh, good to see. Uh, epically replaceable. But there you go. Uh, Logan Thomas, tight end I had no interest in. I would say, like... All the other things I said about tight end, perfect in week one. I know I'm not doing the things I got right in this episode, but on the head doesn't really describe how good I'm feeling about what I said about tight ends. But yeah, I, I, Logan Thomas, I think I knew the name. That's it. So yeah, got that one wrong. Really interested to see if that continues. Even Jim, Jimmy Graham came back from the dead, which I've been saying he will always do since he left New Orleans. But anyway, yeah, Logan Thomas is a tight end I completely had a lack of opinion on. Uh, finally, DJ Chark and Terry McLaurin. Look, they had bad week ones, so you might feel this will be on. This would have been on the, hey, I'm going to tout myself kind of a podcast, but I don't do those, like I said. And also, to any Chark and McLaurin truthers out there, like, have heart. And I know the guy who's down on them isn't the one you're looking to for encouragement, but they were still really heavily involved in that offense. They're just terrible offenses, man. And I know we're into Minshew mania, but that offense is terrible. And you can tell by the way they keep rotating players that prove to be good. I mean, I don't know what's going on there, but it's terrible. That's also not great for LaVisca Chenault. 
but um, I, I do think you're going to be okay having been higher on Chark and McLaurin. But Washington's going to suck. That might hurt the most, but it will affect McLaurin's value the least. The upside will just disappear from that dynasty back. From the very vantage point of week one, by the time we get to week two, you might be having a dance party, and now I am fully wrong. As I told you in the offseason, stats look like I should be wrong on McLaurin. His week one... His rookie year was phenomenal, and I obstinately refused to accept it. So you're on the right side of this, and by week two, you might be able to just dance all over my grave. And yet, here I am, once telling you that you should be on his train, even though I'm not, and twice giving you encouragement that he didn't disappear, he didn't perform badly. It's just a really rough offense, okay? Which was part of why I didn't like it. Um, and Chark as well, it's just... Uh, I didn't see again like their rookie like their last year's seasons. Chark wasn't a rookie last season. Um I saw more to like in the way McLaurin is performing as a player in his statistics. Not to bore you with like reciting numbers, but just volume and efficiency wise. It's yeah, I, I can still see how I'm gonna be wrong. Chark, more of what I expected that everything he did last year was more efficiency deep ball variance but i mean he's still uh, i mean let me check for you here guys but i'm pretty sure uh he was still you know pretty high on that offense he didn't disappear or go anywhere his yards per team pass attempt was 1.25 which is kind of stinky especially for a guy deep down the field but it's based on one game right his a dot in the first game was like 5.3 and we know that's not dj chalk so it was a weird game and it's going to change. And that's what I'm saying. Like, don't bail out, even though I bailed out a long time ago. Um, I'm not considering myself wrong, but I thought I'd mention them since I was the lowest on them anywhere. Um, and since their points were all around the 9, 10, I think Chart got 11 uh, PPR points. You might be feeling a little low, like I was expecting a 20-point game. Yet, I still think these aren't those players anyway. But... If I am wrong, and there's good reasons to be on the Chark and McLaurin chain, as you know, like, week one is nothing to fear based on what I saw here. Um, Chark's target share dropped to 15%, but this is very clearly a weird game for them. Um, McLaurin is just head of the depth chart, and there's even less concern, despite the fact his fantasy points were lower, if I remember right. Let me check that out. Now, McLaurin was right in line, about 11 fantasy points. But again, he still had 23% target share. His yards per team pass attempt was 1.97, just to get real nerdy. And yeah, that's that's in the good range. So again, less to concern yourself with McLaurin's performance, but the offense is stinky. Chark, mm, I, I don't want you to bail just yet. If you've had, honest to God, reasons you really respected his sophomore season, which was good, it was decent, don't bail just yet. But to be very clear, I bailed them both a long time ago. But this is why... The, uh, I don't know how to encourage people I disagree with, but it feels like you're going to need it. And I don't know... Because, you know, truth is kind of disappear when performances are bad and they're not there to encourage you. So I want to try and do it. But don't give up just yet. Especially in Chark's game. That was a very weird game. You still have all the potential in the world to come owe me later. And McLaurin, like, I think people are going to respect that the player's still good. The offense is just mm, kind of stinky. So you won't lose much dynasty value. You'll still have reasonable production from a good player, apparently, that I don't believe in, uh, on a bad offense. 
Um, so yeah, don't panic on those two guys too early, but I wanted to include them in my wrong takes, because technically week one I'm right, but I still fully feel like I could be wrong, especially, especially on Terry. Um, but there you go. So yeah, that, that's, and they might be wrong. I went team by team and just pulled out players that seemed to have done something that I really didn't see coming or anything I could find. And that's not to say everything else I got right, but I feel like I got a lot right. But um, those seem to be my wrongest of wrong takes, and I'm most upset about the ones like Adam Thielen and Goddard and Hunter Henry that I feel like I would have been touting. Yeah, that's definitely the word. Um, And just whiffed on. I just never mentioned them. They never came up in conversation, as if that's possible when you talk about football as much as I do into this microphone every week. Um, So yeah, I'm out. Uh... Let me know if there's any other situations you want me to break down. And specifically, I'm thinking about just asking for start sick questions. Like, maybe we should do that. But where this comes out Saturday, I'm not sure how helpful it is. But if you have questions, you can hit me up on Twitter at, at any time. At PA Howdy. I don't sleep, so I'm always up. Don't worry about it. And uh, also, my email address is PA Howdy, funnily enough, at yahoo.com. Send me an email anytime if you want me to look at something or answer a question or bring it here onto the podcast next week i have a guest leaving them a mystery safe to say they will be looking to own me and they will have good reasons to do it that's why they're coming on one i just enjoy their company so uh yeah see you next week see you on those twitter streets and good luck in your week two matchups hit me up if you have any questions start sit or anything else i've got to start sitting later i love putting it into action so hit me up and I'll, I'll post a screenshot of whatever the start in and is. Uh, yeah, I'm gone. Thanks very much. See you next time. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.